If in doubt, do what most kindles love in you. Do what most kindles love. So good morning everybody and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church where this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, meets each Sunday throughout the year as well as on other days for other kinds of activities. But Sundays are special. And it means something that we have chosen to be here. Our presence is a sign of our commitment. Commitment to something. You might ask yourself that very question, why am I here this morning? And if you're one of our growing band of podcast listeners, listening in to a recording of this service at some future date, you too might ask, well, why am I listening? What is it I'm seeking? Listening to or taking part in a Unitarian service such as this, brace yourselves, it won't earn you a place in heaven. Mm -mm. We aren't offering to save your soul. But what we do offer is a chance to go deeper, to reflect on some of life's key issues, This is a space for us to be honest with ourselves and to know that we're not alone on this journey of life. Look around for a moment. We're all fellow travellers, aren't we? And I hope that we feel able to bring all of ourselves to a time such as this. We don't need to leave our difficulties, our doubts, our hurts at the door. This is a time and a place for the whole of us to be here together in community, one with another, aligning ourselves once more with that which we hold to be of ultimate worth, the God of our hearts, the love that guides us, the passion that inspires us. Let's connect with that which we hold to be of ultimate worth. In silence for a moment as I light our chalice flame.
This flame connects us with Unitarian individuals and communities all around the world and reminds us that as this flame burns freely, so too must we value our freedom to worship as we choose. May such a freedom be a reality for more people around the world in the year ahead. A, a short story now um, that certainly has a message in it for me. I'd be interested to hear if this story has a message for you. It's called The Poor Peddler of Swatham. And um, this story tells of in the olden days when, when London Bridge was lined with shops from one end to the other and salmon, salmon, swum underneath the arches. There lived in the little Norfolk town of Swatham a peddler, a poor peddler with the name of John Chapman. And John had a hard time of it making a living as people did in those days trudging about with his pack on his back and his dog at his heels. And you know, at the close of the day's labour, often all he could do was just lie down, hungry and exhausted, on the dirt floor of his little hut and fall asleep. And it was there, on that dirt floor, one night, that John Chapman dreamed a dream. And he saw the great bridge of London town. And in his dream, he heard the message that if he went to London Bridge, he would hear joyful news. He paid little attention to the dream. But you know, on the second night, it came back to him. And on the third night. So then he said to himself, I'd better pay attention. And off he trudged to London town. It's a long way when you're walking. Or even on Anglia trains, actually, these days. But in those days, it really was a long way. And he was incredibly glad when he got there and saw the wondrous bridge, saw the tall houses and all the shops and the mighty River Thames running by. And all day long, he paced to and fro, but he heard nothing that was of use to him. And he did the same the next day. And on the third day, he stood still and he gazed and a shopkeeper close by said to him, friend, I've seen you here for three days. You're neither selling, you're not begging. Have you nothing to do here? Tell me, what brings you to London town? And so it was that the peddler told the shopkeeper about his dream. And as you can imagine, the shopkeeper laughed heartily. What a foolish man you are, he said. Taking such a long journey from Norfolk for the sake of a dream, do you know, peddler, only last night I dreamt myself to be in a place called Swatham. Never heard of it. <laughs> but in Norfolk, if I'm not mistaken, and in this dream I was in an orchard behind a poor peddler's hut. And in that orchard was a great oak tree. And I dreamed that if I should dig, I should find beneath that tree a great treasure. Now, you don't see me rushing off to Swatham on a long and wearisome journey because of a silly dream. No, my good fellow, learn from a wiser man than yourself. Get off home. <laughs> so, when Chapman, the peddler, heard this, he thanked the shopkeeper for his wise words, returned home speedily, dug underneath the great oak tree, found a great treasure. 
And though he was rich thereafter, he never forgot to help others. Indeed, it is said that he paid for the rebuilding of the church at Swatham. And you know what? When he died, the people in Swatham remembered him in a stained glass window and in a wooden carving of the peddler um, of Swatham with his pack on his back and his dog at his side. So when we've done the church trip to Prague, then let's head off to Swatham and see if that is true. And I invite you now into a time of prayer and reflection. As I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we do and say together here this day. Sometimes we take the treasures of our own lives for granted. So let's now spend a few moments silently giving thanks for the gifts of our lives. And sometimes we seek the treasures that others have found valuable rather than the valuing the treasures that already lie within us. We forget to value the aspirations of our own hearts. In stillness, let us recognise what matters most to us at present, where our energies and resources might best be used. sometimes in life we realize we are stuck and we need to pay attention to new dreams that call us forward may each of us find ways to step out of the accustomed ruts in our thinking and being our settled ways that bring us comfort may also hold us back So in a moment of stillness now, let's each of us think of some ways in which we might step out into the unknown in our ways of being in the times ahead. How might you choose to be different? What changes might be beckoning each of us? And may each of us be granted a stronger sense of who we are and what it is we can offer the world. And in the days ahead, let us not live just for ourselves alone, but have the greater good of all as a guiding principle. And in that spirit, let us turn the prayers of our hearts to those we know to be in need, 
thinking of others, may we be guided in ways to turn concern into fruitful action. And may it be so. Amen. Choose to bless the world by Rebecca Ann Parker. There's an abridged version of this reading on the hymn sheet today. It's a powerful reminder that we all have, have some power, however small, in this old world of ours. Your gift, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hands, the reaches of the heart, the gift of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, waiting. Any of these can serve to feed the hungry, bind up wounds, welcome the stranger, praise what is sacred, do the work of justice or offer love. Any of these can draw down the prison door, hoard bread. Abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice or withhold love. You must answer this question. What will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world. The choice to bless the world is more than an act of will, a moving forward into the world with the intention to do good. It is an act of recognition, a confession of surprise, a grateful acknowledgement that in the midst of a broken world, unspeakable beauty, grace and mystery abide. There is an embrace of kindness that encompasses all life, even yours. And while there is injustice, ignorance or evil, there moves a holy disturbance, a benevolent rage, a revolutionary love, protesting, urging, insisting that that which is sacred will not be defiled. Those who bless the world live their life as a gesture of thanks for this beauty and this rage. The choice to bless the world can take you into solitude to search for sources of power and grace, native wisdom, healing and liberation. More, the choice will draw you into community, the endeavour shared, the heritage passed on, the companionship of struggle, the importance of keeping faith, the life of ritual and praise, the comfort of human friendship, the company of earth, the chorus of life welcoming you. None of us alone can save the world. Together, that is another possibility. Waiting. There is um, a quotation from Rumi on this um, order of service. And perhaps we can take these words and the beauty of that music into a time of meditation. So there'll be a few spoken words leading into silence and that will uh, be brought to an end with a chime from our bell. So Rumi asked us, what in your life is calling you? When all the noise is silenced, the meetings adjourned, 
the lists laid aside, and the wild iris blooms by itself in the dark forest. What still pulls on your soul? Let's take Rumi's question into our time of stillness now. What in your life is calling you? What still pulls on your soul? Picture the scene. It, it was the first day of my two-year ministry training and I was at a theological training college in Manchester sitting in a circle with 30 or more other students from many different denominations. Baptists, Methodists, United Reformed Church and me, the only Unitarian. And the tutor asked us to say how we'd made the decision to come to train gave us a minute or so to think about it, and then we had to speak one at a time round the circle. And I was nervous but intrigued. I wanted to hear how my fellow students had made what for many of us would be a life-changing decision. And I was used to Unitarian groups where the facilitator does not respond, but mm -mm, our tutor that day asked us questions and challenged us to express ourselves more clearly. She wanted us to speak out loud our sense of calling to ministry. And I remember wondering, well, would my experiences be very different from the others? And the person next to me went first and said confidently, Jesus told me to apply for this course. <coughs> and I remember my heart sinking as I heard those words. Was everyone else in that college group going to have a sense of a personal God who cared about their every step and told them what to do and what not to do in life? But I needn't have worried because our tutor turned out to be a very wise person indeed. And she gently but firmly insisted that this person explain what she meant. Did she hear a voice in her head? Did anybody ring her up? 
Did she get an email? Did she hear Jesus speak out loud? What did she really mean in saying, Jesus told me to apply for this course? And so, together that morning, we explored what it means to be called in life, to have a sense of purpose, of direction, and the many and varied ways that we experience this sense of calling. Do any of these ring a bell with you? It feels right. I knew it in my bones. I had a dream. My mind kept coming back to the same thought. Whenever I did this, whatever this is, it just felt right to me. Everything flowed in that direction. For once I listened to what I describe as a still, small voice within. Seeming barriers just melted away. These are some of the ways that we students described a call to a new way of life. I know, I know that to have such feelings is a great gift. I actually think it's a gift that isn't seemingly available to everyone, and certainly not very often in life. But, oh, it's worth looking out for, isn't it? It's worth noticing, even, even when a call is a, a seemingly simple one, to try something new, to, to go somewhere different, to, to dare perhaps to have a deeper conversation than usual with someone. It's worth paying attention to the signs, to our emotional feelings, to, um, to our daydreams and night dreams, to, to maybe a humming of a particular song, which for me can actually be a, a remarkably clear message if I actually listen to what I'm humming, and to our physical bodies that can tell us so much if we pay attention about what is right and indeed wrong for us. There's a, a phrase used in Unitarian prayers sometimes, deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. I think that expresses well that human yearning to go deeper, to live more authentically, to, to recognise that we don't live for ourselves alone, but are part of something so much greater, that mighty life force here on earth. Now, we can and we do, speaking for myself, skate on the surface of superficiality for much of life. And sometimes, you know, that is the best place to be. But, oh, the gifts to be discovered by delving deeper, by diving below the surface of our existence. And I think that sense of call generally speaks something of our wider world, of others rather than just ourselves, even though it is deeply personal. It's how we can use our gifts in service to others and to our wider society. There is always something to be done. There is always some need to be noticed. There are issues to be addressed. Do not be daunted. Do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. 
You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. We've used these words before here at Essex Church, words attributed to the Rabbi Tarfon. Do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now, love mercy now, walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. For me, the the appeal of these words comes, I think, from their healthy reminder that there's always more work to be done. Our human society is a wounded one. There are, are and always will be wrongs to be righted, injustices to be pointed out, issues that might be addressed if enough of us speak out about them. And every single day, there's a kindness we can perform. So let's not walk through our lives imagining we are powerless, nor let us perpetuate the illusion that we can change the world. The world will be what the world will be. But your actions this day could lift another person's spirits. Your words could educate someone and move them towards a different way of thinking. And the way that you choose to spend your time this day and every day can make a difference. And let us also remember the warning signs that tell us we're taking on too much. The perils of overwhelm. If it all feels like it's getting too much, we must back away. We must activate some self-protective part of us that gently reminds us we can only do so much. It's right and proper to hear the news of our world and to feel the world's grief, but we are not called to despair, at least not on a permanent basis. So let's watch out for any messianic fantasies that think we alone are the ones who are going to save this show, because we're not. No, we're called to an understanding that we must do what we can do, and then we must step away. And we must discover the replenishing treasures of our own inner lives, just like the peddler of Swaffen who needed to leave home in order to discover that his great gifts were right there in the orchard, in the fruitfulness of his own existence. Theologian Frederick Buchner writes, where God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I hope we've all known some version of this sense of calling, that feeling when something is just right. And it can't happen all the time for most of us. It's an occasional and a special thing. It's a time when life seems to flow in the direction it was destined to flow in. And when we gain deep pleasure from doing something worthwhile, something that changes some small part of the world and the life within it. And here are some of the ways I know that encourage such experiences. And I wonder if any of these chime with your own lives. Pay attention to what is going on rather than sleepwalking my way through life. I need to notice more and to watch out for little signs that say, hmm, this matters. I need to work on the constant inner chatter that fills my mind, the repetitive anxious thought processes that can take over. 
We need to cultivate patience because a sense of call comes when it comes and does not generally appear just because we want it to. And we need to make space for the new, for the unknown to emerge and be recognised. Pay attention. Still, if I can, the endless repetitive looping of my thoughts. Be patient. Make space in life for the new to emerge. So let's tell each other of the calls in our own lives. Let's help one another find or refind a sense of calling. And let's do what we can with what we have in the time we have available to bring more love, more beauty, more kindness to a world that needs us and our unique gifts. Amen. Mark Nepo asks, what must we accept or let go of so that life can reveal its song through us? There is a song that only we can sing, a unique melody of life, our gift to the world. So let us be who we are and let us do what we can and let us honour the treasure that is our life this day and all days. Amen. Amen. Go well and blessed be.